I want to welcome everyone here today to this Agape Christian Fellowship meeting. I'm Lynn Hardy, and we are going to be talking about what some refer to as the heavenly language. There's a lot of mystery around this, I think. There's a lot of, of different ways of looking at it. So today, we just want to talk about it and honor our counselor. You see, the Holy Spirit came only when Jesus died. He paid the price so each one of us could receive the Holy Spirit as our counselor, our teacher, our guide, and as our friend. So today, we are honoring what our Lord has done. And we're honoring the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for explaining to us about the holy, about the heavenly language, praying in tongues, praying in the spirit, all those different things today. So we're going to start here today with just a few scriptures. Ephesians 6, 18, if you'd like to turn in your Bible. In the Amplified Version, it says, Pray at all times, on every occasion, in every season, in the Spirit, with all manner of prayer and entreaty. Now, the word Spirit is capitalized, letting us know that they're referring to the member of the Trinity, the Spirit of God. Jude 1, verses 20 and 21, it says, But you, dear friends, by building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. These are just two verses that mention praying in the Spirit. Throughout the New Testament, there are many mentions of this. Sometimes it says an unknown tongue. I've come to refer to part of this gifting as a heavenly language, and I'll explain that why towards the end. First, let's speak about this praying in another language, praying in a different way. Many people call it praying in tongues, praying in the spirit, an unknown tongue, whichever way you've heard it referred to. Dr. Andrew B. Newberg is a scientist who neurologists who compared brain scans of people who were praying. Some were Buddhist monks and they were Franciscan nuns. There were people who were speaking gibberish, um, all different sorts of people. Even someone, he'd even compare them when they were just praying, you know, on their own. It, people who could pray in the heavenly language, but then they would just pray uh, human words or words that everyone could understand. What these scans revealed was that when people prayed, there was a part of the frontal lobe that is known for um, being connected to the language center. This would light up. There was a normal level of activity when you're speaking. However, when people were praying in the heavenly language, that spot in the frontal lobe did not light up. It was not at the normal level that should be there if you're speaking words out of your mouth. This confirmed 
that when people are praying in the heavenly language, it's not their brain that's doing it. It's something else that is in control of their tongue. Even those that uttered gibberish showed the normal level of activity in that frontal lobe for speaking. However, those who were letting the Holy Spirit control their tongue, they had no activity. He was in charge. This was actually a long time ago on a Dateline episode. It made ABC News out here. I think it was even in the New York Times is praying in tongues, is it real? Because this was such a breakthrough of, oh my gosh, your brain is not doing it. You know, this language is coming from somewhere else. Now, often there are people quote other verses concerning the gift of the spirit saying that you must have this gift of an unknown tongue, the gift of tongues, you know, you must be able to pray in this way in order to be a Christian, to truly be saved by Jesus. And here's why they say that in Mark 16 verses 16 and 17, it says he that is that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be damned. And these signs will follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. They will speak in new tongues. It goes on to say, they will pick up serpents. All these, all these weird things, right? But tongues is right there in the middle of them. In Acts 10, verses 44 through 46, in the American King James Version, it says, while Peter yet spoke, these words, the Holy Ghost spell, fell on them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles were also poured out the gifts of the Holy Ghost, for they heard them speaking with tongues and magnifying God. You see, that was how God confirmed that the Gentiles were to receive the Holy Spirit, that the Gentiles were part of what Jesus paid for. In Acts 19, five through six, it says, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. These are three accounts of which people, when they receive salvation, they receive the gift of tongues. But there's also a common thread in all of these. In each one of these cases, they were hearing the gospel for the first time. They were brand new Christians. And that gift, that baptism of the Holy Spirit, it just overflowed. And they received the gift of tongues. So this was a sign to confirm that those who had believed received something. In the book of Mark, when the new tongue is mentioned, it is grouped together with casting out devils, picking up serpents, and not being harmed by poison. So this confirms that unknown tongues is one of the signs that should accompany evangelism. This is when the Lord is, is sending them out. It's because it's a sign to those who have not heard of the Lord before. 
Now, if we say that you have to have an unknown tongue in order to be a Christian, well, then we also better be saying you have to cast out demons. You have to pick up serpents. You have to eat, you have to have poison and have no effect of it. You see, they're all grouped together and you can't just single out tongues and say, oh, you didn't, you're not speaking in tongues, so you're not a Christian. Now, this, I want to say idea, but the Holy Spirit's saying fact. The fact that this gift is a confirmation of having received something is spoken about in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 22. It says, why tongues are a sign, not to them to believe, that believe, but to them that believe not. You see, tongues, the gift of tongues is a sign to those who don't believe. Paul points out that not all Christians will have the heavenly language for in 1 Corinthians 14, 5, it says, I would that you all spoke with tongues, but rather that you prophesied. Look at that. He's saying, oh, I wish, yeah, I wish you could all speak in tongues, but I also really want you to prophesy. For greater is he that prophesies than he that speaks with tongues, except that he interpret, that he may that the church may may receive edifying the word edifying is means to build up strengthening the greek word thelo is translated i would but in common terms it really means to desire to wish i wish that you all spoke with tongues okay so if he's wishing that they all spoke with tongues this means that not all of them did paul is writing to christians so obviously it, having the gift of tongues is not a prerequisite. It's not, you don't have to have that gift in order to be identified as a Christian. Remember, the gifts of the Spirit are as He wills. It's not up to us to say, Holy Spirit, give me this gift right now. We can desire it, as Paul says, but we're to desire the gifts and know that He will give us which ones He wants us to have. That's a little bit about the heavenly language or the gift of tongues that we talk about. Now let's talk about the difference between tongues and the heavenly language. Why do we say two things? Where does the heavenly language come from? You already know where praying in the spirit comes from. That was in those first two verses. It says because they're praying in the spirit. But where does that heavenly language come from? Well, in order to understand that, first let's look at where tongues is mentioned. We have to go to 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit to another miraculous powers, to another prophesying or prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same spirit, and he distributes, distributes them to each one just as he determines. You see, there we have speaking in different kinds of tongues. Now, these are categories of gifts. 
back in this time in, in the book of Acts, that God was pour, was being poured out. His glory was being poured out in such measure that, that they were experiencing all these gifts of the spirit and they didn't really know how to organize it. You know, it was, this is Paul trying to explain to them about the gifts that they were receiving in such abundance. And we're coming to that time again. You know, this is the time of the outpouring where God is going to pour out his spirit. If you're ready to receive it, and all of these things are going to be in a great supply again. So don't worry if you have not yet received a heavenly language. It's just one of the many gifts the Holy Spirit has for us. According to the scripture, the spirit, the gifts of the spirit are for the common good. It's for everyone. We shouldn't be using the gift of prophecy to make a profit. We shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't be making money and demanding money when we prophesy. These are used for the common good to help the body. You have to be connected to the body to use them. So if you're not operating in any of the gifts, are you connected to the body? That's why you receive them is to help out. The gift of tongues is speaking in an earthly language. It's different kinds of tongues. In the Strong's Concordance, it says in different languages. And often it's, a, it's always a language you've never spoken before. And it's usually recognized by a certain people group. This is what was done on the Feast of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit poured out upon the disciples. Remember, they were in the upper room. They were all in agreement. The Holy Spirit came down in tongues of fire. And it says they spoke in other tongues. And people were amazed because during this feast, everyone had to return to Jerusalem. So all the Jews that were there, they, they were from other countries. They spoke other languages. And when they heard that other language spoken by these unlearned disciples, they were like, oh, there's something happening. It was a sign. Christians really became more aware of this. It was kind of lost for a long time, it wasn't talked about, was, it wasn't understood for many, many years. I think that Christians first really started becoming more aware of this gift back in the year 1900. When Charles Param, is that how you pronounce his name, Param, started a school near Topeka, Kansas. Now, Topeka, Kansas is out in the middle of the Great Plains. It's out in the middle of nowhere, right? And he had this giant house. And I'm just going to tell you from memory what I remember. I, I read this biography of it once. And so there's this big giant house and the owner of it couldn't afford to complete, complete it. He was just going to scrap it and head out west for the gold rush. Here comes Charles, led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit told him where to go. He wound up at this house and the guy told him, well, he, he said, you know, God sent me to come here. He said, I'm to have a Bible school here in this house. And the guy said, you know what? If you want it, you can have it. Here's the keys and took off. <laughs> so Charles received this house. And then without any advertising, these people started showing up from all across the country. They had people from different races, from different religions, showing up at this house saying, God told me to come and learn about him here at a school. Is there a school here? You know, So you have all these people coming to this, this giant, giant house in the middle of nowhere. 
Well, one during after one sermon by Charles, the students decided they wanted to understand more about what happened at the Feast of Pentecost. Where was this gift of this other tongues being poured out to show that, you know, God was there? So they started doing what they call a prayer watch, where they would take turns praying and seeking God and asking him for wisdom, reading the word of God, saying, you know, grant us wisdom about how this operates, to grant us wisdom about this. So they were really seeking God. And then there was this Quaker woman. She was a Quaker and she wound up in this Bible school and she's um, alone praying in this room. And all of a sudden the Holy Ghost falls upon her. She starts speaking in this language that doesn't sound anything like anything they've ever heard. Matter of fact, no one in that whole school could understand what she was saying. Not only did she speak it, but she wrote it. She couldn't communicate. She, had, she tried to write out things and it would come out in this weird, you know, writing. So she had no idea um, what to do. They, she just kept on for months and that's all she could do is communicate in that way. Finally, uh, a group uh, ha happened by back in those days, you know, it was a long travel across the country by wagon train and there was people that stopped by and they were Mandarin Chinese. And they understood what she was saying. They understood what she had written and they were amazed to find their language there in that house in the middle of nowhere where there was no Chinese people. None of them were Chinese. And after that, her own language returned to her. That is the gift right there of tongues. That is how tongues began, began really to move through society. This school would bloom into what is now known as the Pentecostal religion because it was focused around that feast of Pentecost and the gifts of the spirit, which they now had proof were still working in this world today. Now they endured much mocking and ridicule as often happens when a new revelation comes. They were spit upon, stuff thrown at them. They were even beat up on occasion because of this revelation that they were determined to see out into the world. As far as I know, this was the first American example of the, the gift of tongues being widely used and wild, wild, uh, wildly, widely talked about. And as you can see, it was a gift for evangelism. That is what the gift of tongues is all about. And that's why in Mark 16, 17, that's why it says, and these sh signs shall follow them that believe in my name, they shall cast out demons. When you're casting out demons, you're doing evangelism. You're helping people get free who haven't heard of the Lord. They will speak in new tongues. There are many examples of this in the world today. There are ministers who've, who've been recorded that they'll go to some place where God has sent them to preach the gospel and all of a sudden they'll be able to speak fluently in that language uh, that is totally foreign to them. This is much different from what I refer to, have come to refer to as the heavenly language or praying in the spirit. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse uh, um, 13, it says, 
Why let him that speaks in an unknown tongue, tongue pray that he may interpret? You see, if you have the gift of tongues, and you're using it for God's benefit to edify the body, well, someone needs to be able to interpret it. It has to come with wisdom. If you research the book of 1 Corinthians, you'll see that the church was had an issue of pride. The members were used to demonstrating their holiness by outward acts. They, be, they would begin praying in the heavenly language or in the praying in the spirit during the middle of a, of a gathering, and it made no sense to anyone. It was creating disorder and chaos. I encourage you to read the entire passage of 1 Corinthians 14 to really understand the fullness of Paul's instructions concerning praying in an unknown language and how that gift of the Spirit should be used. The most essential portion of this chapter that I find is this. 1 Corinthians 14, 1, 2, verses 1 and 2. Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim and your great quest. And eagerly desire and cultivate the spiritual endowments, the spiritual gifts. Especially that you may prophesy. That means to interpret the divine will and, and purpose in inspired preaching. That's what prophecy is about. It's to edify the body. For one who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to man, but to God. For no one understands or catches his meaning. Because in the spirit, he utters secret truths and hidden things. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 19 says, Nevertheless, in public worship, I would rather say five words with my understanding and intelligence in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a strange tongue. You see, this makes it clear that there are two uses for a tongue. There is the tongue that comes with interpretation, which is for, is for evangelism. And then there's another tongue that is unknown only to God. And for clarity's sake, I have come to refer to the one used in public for the benefit of the body as tongues, and the one that only gods understand as a heavenly language or praying in the spirit. And that's because of this scripture. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, I have and have not love. I've become as a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. 1 Corinthians 13, 1. You see, in this verse, we see that there are clearly two types of tongues mentioned. There is the tongue of men and the tongue of angels. Well, the angels reside in heaven. They're heavenly beings. So for that reason, if it's not a language that is being interpreted, if God hasn't given you the gift of tongues to speak in you know, Japanese, because there's a Japanese person there who needs the needs to hear what he's saying, then I call that the heavenly language. It's a, a tongue of the angels, and it's for a specific purpose. You see, that's the difference between the gift. There's a gift that is really about witnessing to others, helping the body, and I call that tongues. 
because man should understand it. But then there's another gift of speaking. It's a gift of speaking and only God understands in heaven. It's a gift of, of a language from heaven. And I call that the heavenly language because God does not, or because man doesn't understand it on his own. Now, remember, it's, Paul did tell us to pray for an interpretation of the heavenly language. So even if it's a heavenly language, even if we're praying the spirit, it can still be interpreted by the spirit who's speaking. Whichever gift you receive, we must always remember that it is from the Holy Spirit. We need to listen to him about how and when to use it. If we want to If we want it to benefit others who are present, there must be an interpretation for what's being prayed. So that brings us to the purpose of the heavenly language. Let's just go over that for clarity's sake. We know that as we've stated, it will build up your spirit man. It'll edify you. That that is one use of the heavenly language. If we look at Romans 8, verses 26 through 27, we see another reason. So too, the Holy Spirit comes to our aid and bears, up, bears us up in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray. Oh, sorry. We do not know what prayer to offer, nor how to offer it worthily as we ought. But the Spirit himself goes to meet our supplication, and he pleads on our behalf with un unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. And he who searches the hearts of men knows what is in the mind of the spirit, what the intent of the Holy Spirit is. Because the spirit intercedes and pleads before God in behalf of the saints and according to and in harmony with God's will. This is the other purpose of the heavenly language it is a way to give your prayer time fully into the hands of God, for your tongue to be used to pronounce and, and say what God's desire is, for God's will to be spoken. It comes from a desire to be used by God, to get let go of ourselves, to give ourselves over to the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 14, 4, it says, He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself, but he that prophesies edifies the church. Again, here the word unknown tongue refers to the heavenly language that edifies our spiritual body. I'm saying this because in a visit to the secret place that occurred this last week, the Lord showed me a few things about the heavenly language. So this actually, the first vision happened long ago, long, long ago, before I even knew I didn't, was only visiting the secret place occasionally. So in this particular vision of the secret place, it began by worshiping God, spending time worshiping him. And then as I closed my eyes, I saw myself dancing with the Lord, but it was very, very vague. Now, during the second song, I found myself in the river with the Father and with Jesus, one on each side. 
I ran to jump and jumped into Abba's arms, letting him know how much I had missed him. Then the third song began and he sat me on the ground and told me, go play, <laughs> go ahead and go play. See who's over there. Darting forward, I splashed through the shallow scream, stream towards the Holy Spirit. It's he was the little child sized version of the Holy Spirit, as was I. I was a child still at this point in the in the heavenly realm. My friend ran from me and we chased each other round and round as kids will do, you know, playing a, a game of tag. <laughs> you know, when you're playing tag with God, it's a little hard to catch him, though. <laughs> the vision began to become more and more clear and distinct. As the, and I could see that there was a bank on one side. And the Holy Spirit dashed over there, and then he began climbing up a tree. I was right on his heels. I saw fruit up in that tree in the, in the branches, and the Holy Spirit grabbed one and handed it to me. It was bright red like an apple, but shaped more like a peach. He gave a, he gave a nod when I looked at him, wondering if I should eat it. So I didn't even have to ask. I just looked at it and went, hmm. Am I supposed to eat this? What does he want me to do with this fruit, right? <laughs> and uh, I didn't, I was kind of a little disappointed. I'm a little bit of a foodie. <laughs> I didn't actually taste the fruit, but there was kind of an odd sensation. As I ate it, it's like the bottom half of my mouth and my jaw kind of tingled and became heavy. And then as I swallowed each bite, I could feel it going down and down right to where my ribs meet that's the place where our spirit re resides. And I could see it, I could feel it residing right there. After I finished the first piece, the Holy Spirit handed me a second and said very playfully, you need to pray more in the heavenly language. <laughs> so now I knew what that heavenly language was for because as I continued eating each piece of fruit, wow, the vision became more and more clear. It became so crisp, so sparkly. I could even see birds flying through the bright blue sky now. How many of you have ever needed glasses? And you know how when you take those glasses off and you put them on, you can see so much more. And this is what happened as I ate the fruit. I could make out each and every aspect and detail of Yeshua's face and Abba who were standing in the river watching us just enjoy. Recently, in another secret place visit, this has happened last week, I was there with the Lord dancing with him and in the spiritual realm. And he said, pray in the spirit. Well, this was new. <laughs> I'd never been told to pray in the spirit when I was in the heavenly in the secret place. And so as I prayed in the heavenly language, I could see my body become brighter. It was it, it with each word, each phrase spoken, it glowed just a little brighter and little became a little more more determined, I guess, until after a short while, it was like my skin was glistening diamonds, you know, with with jewels. And I was just as bright as I had seen the Lord on, on so many occasions. You see, the gift of praying in the heavenly language will help strengthen our spirit. That's when I knew he wanted me to tell you about praying in the heavenly language. Now, there are other ways to edify your spirit. And we talked about that in a previous uh, meeting 
And it's also a class at the academy, just in case you don't have the gift. Because as we saw from Paul, he wished everybody would have the gift of praying in tongues, but not all of them had it. Okay, let's go to how to receive this gift. How many of you want this gift? Do you desire this gift? That's okay. But we have to be aware that it's as the Holy Spirit wills. Now, when I was a young Christian, before I read the Bible a lot, <laughs> I was still pretty brand new. I reached a point in my walk where I desperately wanted to give my prayers over to the Holy Spirit. You see, I wasn't getting good results from my prayers. I didn't know what to pray. I didn't know how to pray. But I knew that he would know what to say. I went to a church meeting where the leader asked people to come forward if they wanted to receive the heavenly language so that the Holy Spirit could pray for us. After the pastor prayed, we were told to go to a room to talk with individual advisors about this gift. In that room, a sweet young woman prayed for me. When she opened her eyes, she asked, is it possible that you already have your heavenly language? Well, you see, when I was a teenager, I told her, we went to a Pentecostal church one summer. They asked if we wanted the gift of tongues. I raised my hands. I didn't know what it was, but I raised my hand saying, sure, you weren't giving away gifts. I'll take one. <laughs> you know? um, they prayed for me so long that my arms got too tired to hold them up. And they, had, they had women on both sides of me holding up my arms. Finally, one of them said, there, she's got it. But I really never knew what I had. <laughs> I'm like, I got what? What? Did something happen? You see, because they told me just to praise Jesus, praise Jesus. So I held up my hands, praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Over and over and over again, I just kept praising Jesus. And I didn't know what happened. So then she advised me. She said, well, when you are quiet before the Lord, do you sometimes hear a word or two that doesn't make any sense? When your mind is clear and you're just, you're done praying and you're just sitting there wondering what to pray next. Do you ever receive anything? I thought about it for a minute. Then I said, well, I think so. I hear three sounds quite often. I didn't call them words <laughs> because it didn't sound like a word I knew. And it was ah, shabah, ah, shabah. She squeezed my hand. She said, yes. That's it. Next time when you're alone, spend some time praying and ask the Holy Spirit to help free your tongue. Well, she said praying in the spirit is kind of like rolling a rolling stone. Once you get that tongue started, the Holy Spirit will take over. He said, go ahead and repeat that same words over and over until you begin praying in the spirit. Well, I agreed to give it a try. I was very disappointed at not receiving, you know, what I thought I wanted right then. I'm like, really? I got to go home and pray. Well, it was more than a week later before I had a quiet minute. I had two small kids at home. On my knees with my hands folded, I prayed as I usually did. When I had said everything I wanted to say, <laughs> then I asked the Holy Spirit to loosen my tongue. I just sat there and I, with my head bowed, 
I began saying all I knew to say, all that I'd heard. And so I kept saying, Ashaba, Ashaba, Ashaba. Well, after about a couple minutes of saying the same thing over and over, kind of felt like a blooming idiot. <laughs> I don't know if that's a bad word. Sorry, I forgot I've got other foreigners here. <laughs> so I, I totally felt like, oh my gosh, I sound like a baby. You know, I sound like a toddler uttering gibberish. But I just kept doing it. I'm like, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, <laughs> I need your help. Loosen my tongue. Minutes ticked by, Ashaba, Ashaba. Finally, finally with a, a sudden rush, words came out that I didn't even know existed. It was something like, Holy Spirit, you're gonna have to help me here and pray. So, so you see, I don't think of those syllables. They just happen when I open my mouth, when the Holy Spirit comes through. It was a very unusual experience to say the least of having words come out that I hadn't thought of. <laughs> and it went on for a good half hour. I was just like, okay, yes, yay, I'm praying. Yay, thank you, Holy Spirit. I can pray and I don't have to know what to say. <sighs> now, notice that I've been prayed for, but I didn't. it didn't come through right away. So it doesn't mean, if you've been prayed for in the past, it doesn't mean that you don't have the gift. You may have it. Um, it my daughter received it at age nine or 10. And at age 19, she finally started speaking. And it was 10 years later. These gifts are as the Holy Spirit wills. Sometimes he'll deposit them in you. And when you're ready, then they come through. It's a matter of submission, of letting go, of not caring, <laughs> getting past the, uh, oh, of what you may look like, what it may sound like, getting past all that. And just saying, Holy Spirit, have your way. I want whatever you want. I want you to accomplish your will here and not my own. In order to receive this gift, there's a few ways that you can get it. You know, one is, as I did, I was prayed for by people. But we always caution you that... We always caution you to make sure that that's the place the Holy Spirit would bring you to give it, to get it. Uh, now, the Bible tells us of a couple different ways this gift was given and received. When Peter spoke about Jesus to the Gentiles for the first time, I mean, this was a big step because Jews didn't even go have dinner with Gentiles right? They, Jews, were God's people. Everybody else, they referred to as Gentiles, unclean, those who don't have a relationship with God, you know, they're Gentiles. So the fact that, you know, God sent Peter to the Gentiles was a big deal. It was, and it was, it was done with a couple of different miracles. Peter had a vision, the guy had a visitation from the angel, together they met. And so Peter started speaking about Jesus. You see, they had heard from John the Baptist about needing to return to repent and to get ready for Jesus. But now Peter started giving witness about Yeshua. And while Peter was speaking, he didn't even have to lay his hands on them. He was just speaking about the Lord. The Holy Spirit brought tongues to all of, the, of those gathered there. All of the, the Jews were surprised Peter and all the, all the guys with him were like, 
what? Gentiles, they're the same as we are. They're receiving from God just like we do. This was a huge revelation. Now, Paul also baptized people in the name of the Lord Jesus and then laid his hands on them. So many people receive this during baptism. This is one of the awesome things about being baptized. Being baptized is a way of saying, I'm dying to my flesh, Lord. I am going to do things your way, not the world's way. I'm going to learn about you. I am now yours. I'm dying to everything that's sin. You just let me know and I'm going to turn from it. So baptism means I'm turning from all sin. I'm dying to that. And I'm going to be born again with you, Jesus. I'm going to be cleansed and brought born anew. Because see, babies come out of their mother with water, as does. And that's so you're in the water for baptism. And when people are baptized, often the Holy Spirit will fall on them and they call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit as he just floods over them and fills them. And, and then all of a sudden they start praying in another tongue. Now, in order to receive these gifts, there's a couple of prerequisites. Let's go over that. Have you heard? Okay, all of you here, I'm sure you have. But somebody may watch this later, curious about this phenomenon. So have you heard and do you know, I'm going to tell you what Peter told those Gentiles. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, his son, with the Holy Spirit and with power. And Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. And even though Jesus was put to death by hanging on the cross, God raised him up on the third day. And he caused him to be seen, not by all the people, but by the witnesses God had chosen beforehand. There were over 400. Even the Jews themselves cannot deny that Jesus was seen after he was crucified because there were too many witnesses. They always said, oh, he just, they, his disciples got him and nursed him, nursed him back to health because they could not deny the fact that he was around after the cross. And he was seen by those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. We also must know that Jesus, he is the one appointed by God to judge the living and the dead, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness for sins through his name. Now, remember, we have to put that with elsewhere in the Bible where it says when we confess our sins, he's able to forgive us. So you have to be willing to confess your sins, meaning see your sins the way God does. It doesn't mean you have to remember every sin you've ever done. It just means when you find out something is sin, you're going to see it the way God does. And guess what? All those sins are blotted out by the blood of Jesus through his name. This is from Acts 10, 38 through 43. If you believe these words to be true, if you wish to receive the gift of the heavenly language, praying in tongues, if you wish the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then I'm going to ask you to do something right now. I'm going to ask, I can't be there to lay my hands on you, 
but I'm going to extend my hands towards you. You receive this by placing your hands anywhere on yourself. So if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you want to receive the gift of tongues, I'm going to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, which is always true. Your son, Jesus, prayed for people to be healed in another city, and they were healed. So as he did, so am I doing now. Father, I'm praying for people located in other cities right now. People who are believing in your son, Jesus, who've received him as their Lord and their Savior. Lord, your word declares that Gentiles receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that they receive the gift of speaking in a different language when they believed on your son. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you flow to each person right now. Fill them to overflowing. Give them a new language. Give them any gift, any gift. I'm not gonna limit you to the heavenly language any gift that they desire, Holy Spirit, that you know is good for them, that you would have them receive. I ask that your will be done, Holy Spirit. Fill your people to overflowing. Baptize them in your spirit, Father God, Abba. Let them receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit to use for the benefit of the church, for the edifying of, the, of themselves. I thank you, Abba, for pouring out your love and your glory upon your people, your spirit upon your people today. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah, I ask this. And I know that it is according to your will, so I thank you that it is done for your glory. Amen.